Uh, those who are four to six, you can go to your class. The rest of us will stay in Romans 5. fond memories of Christmas Day growing up. Our Christmas morning looked like uh, my parents, having wrapped and put all the presents under the tree while we were sleeping on Christmas Eve. Nothing was there ahead of time that I can remember, because uh, with two brothers, we would have taken them, sorted them, shaken them, guessed and uh, tried not to leave any evidence of our, of our mischief. So my parents probably knew that. And uh, Christmas Eve for them was a very busy time. Uh, and I remember coming out at times and there being a bicycle in the living room, uh, some other larger gifts that were uh, placed behind the tree. And after opening our presents and uh, usually sleeping in as much as my parents could endure us uh, begging the, them to to get up early, we would um, go over to my grandparents for lunch. My grandmother was an excellent, excellent cook, and uh, she would always have a huge uh, Christmas uh, lunch for us, and then we would sit around my grandparents' Christmas tree and open up more gifts. It was like the ideal day, like the night before Christmas, I couldn't sleep. And I thought, if I can just get to sleep, when I wake up, it's going to be pure bliss for all day long. And looking back at that, that day, and it was repeated year after year, I should have, as a child, as most of us as children, felt entitled to all the gifts at two different places throughout the day. I should have, as I look back now, should have been thinking, there's more? What, there's more? I've got enough. I've got enough gifts, and yet they just keep coming. And as an adult, whenever someone gives you a gift that you're not expecting, and maybe they give you multiple gifts over time, and you're not expecting it, and you don't feel entitled, as often we did as kids, our gratefulness just keeps welling up to like, are you serious? There's more? There's more, and as this is where Romans 5 is at, where we have Romans 4 telling us of our salvation, and then Romans 5 telling us of more and more and more results of our salvation. And if gratefulness, like we sang, Jesus, thank you, is, our, is what's controlling our, our reaction to our salvation, we should just be saying, I can't believe there's more. I can't believe that God would give me more results of salvation. He's already done enough, and yet there's more. If we would have that mindset as we gather to worship, your worship and my worship will be just like better than Christmas Day when you were a child and I was a child, thinking, we get to gather as God's people and learn about and sing about more, more results of our sure salvation. We have 
more and more results here in Romans 5. And I didn't want to uh, go quickly through it last week, but the gift of righteousness. We have seen in Romans 5 that we have peace with God, we have hope, and we have reconciliation in verses 9 through 11. And now in 12 to uh, 21, we have the gift of righteousness. And verses 15 to 21, I'd love to cover all that together, but I'm going to split it up into 15 to 17 this week, and then 18 to 21 Uh, Lord willing, next week. But verse 15 to 17 gives us the gift, and it's called the free gift. I'm not going to refer to this slide, but if you were here last week, you remember it. If not, you can uh, watch it again. But all of the um, outline of Romans in righteousness terms, us lacking righteousness and God's righteousness um, is a a neat outline that that I got from a commentary. All right, last week we looked at the need for a gift. As elders, we have the delight and joy of talking every two weeks about uh, those in our church that have a need. And as the fellowship fund has uh, money in it, and we talk every two weeks to see if there's anyone that has a need, and sometimes needs come up between those meetings. And the need for the gift is, is discussed by the elders, and then do we have the money in the fellowship fund to meet that need? How are we going to meet that need? Is there any follow-up needed uh, after we give the gift to see if that did fulfill the need? And as Christians, we look back and we can uh, forget what it was like before our salvation. But Romans and many other books of the Bible don't allow us to forget that we were in a very needy place before God gave us the gift of righteousness. Why? Well, Romans 1 to 3 tells us we were very, very unrighteous. We weren't right with God. And it almost puts, it in a position, puts us in a position where we were in a prison, needing help to be rescued. And Christ comes and he says, I'm the door. And I, I'm going to lay down my life for the sheep. I'm going to open that door wide, and I'm the only door. And if you enter by me, you will find uh, life for your souls. Well, he says that in in John 10. And here in Romans 5, we have more and more sure results of a sure salvation. In verse 15, we see the, the free gift, but the free gift is not like the trespass. So we have six comparisons, three this week, three next week, Lord willing, And the comparisons are pretty much broken down by verse, okay? So every point will be another verse, and verse 15 gives us our first comparison. The results of the gift of righteousness. Okay, so let's look at verse 15 carefully. The free gift is not like the trespass. All right, we have been connected to Adam because of sin. We need this gift because we have this sin, and because of sin... We have all sinned, it says in verse 12, we are all needy, and because of our sin, we die. And death doesn't just come to a few of us, it says in verse 14, death reigns from Adam to Moses, even of those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, but who was a type of the one who was to come. So God designs salvation from before Adam lived. So he planned to, to rescue Adam and his sinful race. And Adam caused all of us to be sinners. 
and because of sin, death reigns. So who needs to be rescued? Everyone who's destined to die. Spiritual death, separated from God forever and ever. Most people around us, all of us at one point, were destined to spend eternity in a lake of fire. That's an awful, awful mental picture. But that's reality. But we have the gift of righteousness. And in verse 15 it says, the free gift, it's not like the trespass. How is it not like the trespass? Well, verse 15 continues, For if many died through one man's trespass, and that is true, everyone who dies, dies because Adam's sin has been passed down. We add to that sin, showing that we all deserve to die. But, remember, the free gift is not like the trespass, and it's much better. Much more has the, have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Abounded, much more, grace upon grace, free gift. This verse is not a downer. This verse is meant to show us there is a wonderful result. You say, well, why does he have to bring up sin? If we realize that we're really rotten sinners and we don't deserve anything but hell, when anything we get is a bonus, we don't feel like God owes us or we're selfish children entitled to all that my parents or grandparents can give me. Instead, no, a mature person looks at any gift that they get at birthday, Christmas, any other occasion and say, wow, I don't deserve this. This is a wonderful blessing. And I'm so thankful that God gave us the gift of salvation. The gift of salvation is uh, described here as being the grace of God. It's a free gift. Grace means gift, and he ties these two things together so closely that the free gift is mentioned twice, grace is mentioned twice, and the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ is the focus. Not Adam's sin and us being dragged down by Adam's sins. No, God has designed salvation to show us that we deserve hell, we deserve death, but God offers the free gift of salvation. It's God's grace, undeserved. It's free. It cannot be purchased by us. It was purchased by one man, Jesus Christ. And it abounds for many. It's not like there's barely enough. If you, We're looking forward to Thanksgiving in a couple weeks. Usually at Thanksgiving, there is an abounding of food. There's not, no, no Thanksgiving feast that I've ever been to has had barely enough. Like, okay, we better ration this out because, and if people show up at your house unannounced and you share your supper with them or lunch, you may have just barely enough, right? But not at Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, you're eating leftovers weeks after because you had an abundance of food. And you can invite half of the neighborhood to your house because there's just so much food. That's what God says here. The result of our salvation, this gift of righteousness, is an abundance of God's grace. Not just a little. It's a free gift. 
by God's grace of that one man, Jesus Christ. And it has abounded, not just for a few people, for many. Not just the elite, but for all. The results of this gift is that abundant grace comes from one man. Now, you may not and I may not like the fact that I'm a sinner because my dad was a sinner and his dad was a sinner and all the way back to Adam is a sinner. And I am a sinner because of that. But that's just the setup for how God has designed salvation to be through one man. It is not where we're not meant to focus on, oh man, this is wrong, God is wrong, God is unfair, because he has designed all of humanity to be guilty because of one man's sin. That is not the focus here. The focus is, is here, just as you were sinners because of Adam, just, but much more than that. Don't focus on that. Focus on this. Focus on the grace of God, and it's a free gift of God's righteousness, and it comes through one man. So don't keep blaming Adam. Don't keep complaining about our sin nature and the effects of sin. Focus instead, where Romans 5 focuses, on the one man, capital one man, divine one man, gracious one man, our Savior Jesus Christ. You know, I was thinking about the theme of our songs this morning, and we sang about Christ over and over and over again. And it was excellent. Never gets old. So sweet. It gets sweeter every day. And as these bodies get worn out and tired and painful, and we know death is coming to them, our inner man can be renewed day by day. How can the inner man be renewed? By focusing our thoughts and attention and thankfulness on this free gift, the grace of our God through our Savior, Jesus Christ. An abundant amount of grace comes for many, of which many of you have enjoyed and are enjoying this gift of righteousness. And if you're here today and you have not you do not have the gift of righteousness. Worship is an endurance for you. It's a pain. You lose sleep because you've got to be here. It's uncomfortable to sing about Jesus all the time. Why can't we sing some fun songs? Songs that make us feel good or make us whatever. Like worship isn't about you. It's not about me or what I like. Worship is about him because of all he's done. All right, and the abundant grace that comes from one man is the focus here, and it's not like the trespass, it's better. Verse 16, and the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin. How is the free gift not like the one man's sin? He continues in verse 16, for the judgment following one, tra one trespass brought condemnation. Remember when Adam and Eve were promised by God, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. Satan questioned it. Adam and Eve are likely questioning it, uh, thinking along Satan's lines instead of God's truth, and they fall into sin. The judgment for sin is death. The judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. 
Romans 8 is going to tell us there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you and I have the gift of righteousness, condemnation is nothing we have to fear. And if you struggle with the assurance of your salvation, as I did for many years, you, you think that maybe I will be condemned. And it focuses here not on the condemnation. It focuses us on that God's free gift is better than the trespass. And it says here in, in comparison terms in verse 16, the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. So let's think about the one man's sin. It brought judgment. After that one trespass, the whole human race is condemned. And then turning the corner, but the free gift following many trespasses. Who gets the gift of righteousness? All of us are sinners, Romans 3.23. All of us are related to Adam and feel the effects and the weight and the death is coming for us because we're sinners. So here he says it's not apples to apples here that we're comparing. It's so much better. Why? Because the judgment following one man's trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification, being right with God. This is the, another way of saying righteousness, brought us in right relationship with God. When did we get in right relationship with God? After we had many trespasses. You see that there at the end of verse 16? And because of our many trespasses, we needed a free gift. So when we had the gift of God's righteousness, following our many trespasses, like we don't deserve this gift. We don't earn this gift. It's free. We have been brought to the place that we are right with God. So the result is not like condemnation. It's so much better. It is justification, following many trespasses. Is there anyone alive today who hasn't committed many trespasses against God? You know, the, the more you and I know God's word, the more you realize there are sinner, sins that we commit that we didn't even realize were sin until God showed us. Like Paul says that about coveting. I wouldn't even know coveting was a sin until the law says, thou shalt not covet. What? There are people that think lust is not a sin, as long as you don't touch. Lust is a sin too. Jesus tells us that in Matthew 5. Jesus also says in Matthew 5, if you're angry and so angry you want to kill someone or you hate them, that's the same thing as murder. What? So how many times do we sin in a day? Trying not to sin. We sin a lot. Before you and I were saved, how many sins did we commit in a day? Hundreds? A thousand? Likely. Two thousand? You ever listen to someone talk and almost everything that comes out of their mouth is a sin? And they run their mouth all day. You're like, oh, you're racking up sin. Stop talking. But even if they don't talk, their mind's going. And what are they thinking about? Well, when they do talk, they're talking about immoral, gross, sin, greedy things. You're like, okay, even if their, their, their mouth isn't revealing what's in their heart, their mind's creating sin. 
They're committing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sin daily. You and I were like that. You may still be like that. And following your many trespasses, Christ comes, offers you the free gift of His righteousness. And if you accept this free gift of righteousness, following your many trespasses, He will bring you to a place that you are once condemned, but now justified, now right with Him. And it's a gift. It's not earned. So the results of this gift is that the trespassers can be justified. It's better. It doesn't work the other way. Like we who can once be justified will one day be condemned. It only works positively. Our sin rightfully condemns us. But better than our sin and following our sin, after our sin, we get this free gift. And God forgives us all of these trespasses. And that's why it's better. That we don't no longer have to fear condemnation. We have been passed from death to life. And this is a sure result of our sure salvation that trespassers can be justified. What a wonderful truth. Those even on death row, those hardened inmates, those people that in the seclusion of their home are inventing sin, they're perpetrating sin, they're causing other people to sin, no matter how many sins they commit in a day and how many millions of sins they commit in a lifetime, if they will turn from that sin in repentance and trust Christ alone, they will be forgiven. Trespassers can be right with God, justified. That's verse 16. And then verse 17. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. You follow the thought process here of Paul? Because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. He almost says what he says in verse 14. But he's going to talk about results and comparing it with the free gift and the righteousness. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace. This is the second time he used the word abundance. He said abounded in verse 15. Now he says the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Oh, there's so much in this verse. So beautiful. What are the results of this gift? Abundant grace comes from a more powerful representative. Why does he bring up Adam in this, in this chapter? To show us that we all are related to a sinner. And we're sinners because our parents and grandparents and great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather Adam was a sinner. We deserve the condemnation. But the free gift is way better than the condemnation. So instead of being angry at God for designing humanity 
to be sinful. We are grateful to God for salvation to be attached to one man. And aren't we so glad that our salvation is not on our shoulders? Your parents' shoulders, your grandparents. Aren't you glad your salvation wasn't dependent on Adam and Eve? Or Cain? Or Lamech? Or the multiple people that were destroyed at the flood? No, everybody in the Bible is a sinner except for one man. When Christ comes, he is full of grace and truth. He never lied. And everyone we know, including ourselves, are really good at lying at some point in our lives. And if our parents did their job in disciplining us, they told us, stop lying. Tell the truth. And if we're godly parents, we'll tell them, you're no more like Satan than when you lie. And you remind me of Satan when you lie. Awful. But you don't have to lie. You can tell the truth. And when you tell the truth, you remind me of Jesus Christ, your Savior, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, you're of your father, the devil. The lust of your father you will do. He was a liar from the beginning. Jesus had that connection too in John 8, 44. But what we want to see the connection here is not our connection to sin, but the connection we have to the abundant grace of God and the free gift of God's righteousness. See, we have no righteousness of ourselves. The Old Testament says our righteousness is as filthy rags, polluted garments that are worth nothing. We look for ways to destroy them. Often in, in the trash or in a fire, we get rid of them. They're useless. But we have received abundant grace and the free gift of righteousness. And if death reigned, he's saying in verse 17, you're going to expect that God's abundant grace and free gift of righteousness is going to be more powerful and reigning, controlling, ruling humanity. Now we look out at humanity and, and say, death is reigning, sin is reigning. We watch the news and are like, oh man, again, more people killed, more people taken hostage, more wars, more fights, more corruption, more people that had power, shouldn't have had power, and they abused the power. We're seeing it over and over and over again, and it shouldn't be the case for Christians. We gather as God's people. And you, if you have a Christian home, death can, or uh, grace, the free gift, and the abundance of grace and the, the righteousness of God can reign in your life, in your home, in this church. So what happens to a group when God's gift of righteousness is ruling and reigning, controlling it. We all are becoming more and more like Jesus. You can come here and not expect to be manipulated, deceived. People are going to tell you the truth. You can expect not to be swindled out of your money. You can expect not to, and the list goes on and on, not to be lied to. Like, hey, you, you're fine in your sin, just live how you want. That's not what you're going to hear from a faithful church. Why? Because God's gift of righteousness 
is ruling, is controlling this place. Why? Because if it controls most of us, the sure result of our sure salvation is that God's abundant grace comes from a more powerful representative and we are being conformed into his image. Romans 8 is going to tell us that. So that this becomes, instead of a sinful death reigning here place that we have to avoid, we have to put our guard up if we have to be here. No, we can take our guard down and allow people to tell us the truth and help us to be more and more like Jesus. Why do we want to become more like Jesus? Because he's given us the gift of his righteousness. We don't have to sin. We don't have to keep sinning. And if Christians come here and they're still sinning, other Christians should say, as we learned in Hebrews 10, we provoke one another to love and good works. If you're not loving your neighbor as yourself, if you're not serving God, when you gather with God's people where the righteousness of God is reigning, those righteous people will challenge you to be righteous. And in particular, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, we are to consider one another in order to provoke one another to love and good works. You're struggling to love your spouse. Someone at church can help you with that. You're struggling to love your children, your parents, your neighbor, physical neighbor at home. You're struggling to love them. You're you're creating ways to get even with people instead of loving them. Maybe you have a coworker that's really, really hard or a boss. And you think, there's no way I can love this person. Okay? Come to church, ask someone who's godly, who knows God's word, can point you to truth in God's word to help you reflect the righteousness of Christ in your relationships. And we are to provoke one another. Based on everything that Christ does and how Christ is better in Hebrews, we have that a book uh, available to us, and we read it this week to say, okay, we do have a wonderful high priest Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. We have a wonderful, great high priest we learned this week. So we can trust him, walk with him, hold fast our confession of the hope that we have because of our Savior. So how does this free gift of righteousness reign? It reigns in life. How does it reign? Through the one man, Jesus Christ. See, if we will, as Romans 10 is going to say, if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. So every Christian who is saved has said with their mouth, Jesus is Lord. He's master. Whatever he says goes. When we recognize Jesus as Lord and submit ourselves to him, he gives us his righteousness. And he gives us abundant grace. He gives us justification. And we're so glad he is our representative and not just Adam. But for most of humanity, they reject Jesus, reject Jesus, reject Jesus. And by default, all they have is a representative that's sinful. It's causing them to be condemned. As God has opened your eyes, he's opened my eyes, we should sing Jesus thank you. 
Once your enemy, I'm now seated at your table. Abundant grace comes from a more powerful representative. Aren't we glad that Jesus is more powerful than Adam? Oh, man. What if it was Adam that was more powerful than Jesus? We'd say, I don't even know how anyone could be saved. But since Jesus is more powerful than Adam, his gift has better results than Adam's sin. And that's what Romans 5, 15 to 21 tells us. So how should we live based on us having this abundant grace because we are related to Christ and not merely Adam? Because we are right with God. I added two uh, last week. I'm going to give you something specific to pray for. Uh, daily, actually. And with our technology, maybe you can track this somehow if you've got a creative way to set a timer for five minutes. Maybe you do this. Five minutes a day. And the theme of your five minutes is you thanking God for your salvation. So that's challenge this week. I'll join you, join me in this challenge that five minutes a day, you pray and thank. And the only thing you're doing in your prayer is thanking God for your salvation. Only thing. Don't bring up other people. In, don't, no intercession at this five minutes. You block off five minutes a day and you just thank God for your salvation. Now, if you want to read scripture along with it, I got a number of passages and you can probably come up with others like Hebrews that I didn't... Um, I didn't mention Hebrews in my notes here, but read the crucifixion in any of the Gospels and thank God for your salvation. Read John 3, his explanation, Jesus' explanation to Nicodemus that night and thank God for your salvation. Read Romans 4 and 5, that should be fresh in our minds and thank God for your salvation. You can read 1 Corinthians 15 and the uh, the delight that we have in the surety of the resurrection and the defeat of death. And thank God for your salvation in 1 Corinthians 15. Galatians 2, we're crucified with Christ. We're not justified by any works. We're only justified by God's gift. Ephesians 1 and 2, wonderful passages about our salvation. 1 John 1, we have fellowship with God as Christ's blood cleanses us from all sin in 1 John 1. You can read the sure result of our home in heaven, Revelation 21 and 22, and thank God for your salvation. And you can come up with more passages than that. That's just what I could come up with off the top of my head as I was studying. And you can come up with more passages as you're reading and uh, challenge you to pray five minutes a day, thanking God for your salvation. And I bet... You can pray longer than that, all right? And it doesn't matter how old you are, I think you can pray five minutes, okay? So five minutes a day, set a reminder on your phone if you need to. Uh, in that reminder, put a passage that you want to meditate on or some thoughts write down. Uh, we have technology now. Let's use technology to uh, warm our hearts and focus our attention on the God of our salvation. And then... Witness compassionately. It may come after your praying as your salvation is so clearly in focus in your mind. If you've ever had the privilege of going to visit a friend in prison and talking with that friend across 
glass. You couldn't t touch them. You had to pick up a phone and sit in a chair on one side, talking to someone on the other side of the glass to them. It's a strange experience. At the end, you don't get to shake hands or hug. You usually put your hand on the glass, and that's how you get as close as you can, touching your friend who's in prison. But you think, okay, coworkers, friends, family, neighbors, they're in prison. Why are they in prison? Because of Adam's sin, because of their own sin. They're going to face condemnation one day. And you have the free gift of God's righteousness. Tell them how they can have that free gift. Nothing focuses your attention on your salvation other than thanking God than witnessing to someone who is still lost, who's still dead in their trespasses and sins. As you meditate on your salvation and thank God for it, you will think of people that are around you that are your neighbor, that you have to love. What better way to love someone than to tell them that God's free gift of his righteousness is available to them. You can use uh, Romans. There are tracks in the back. You can walk someone through a bridge track or um, exchange track or another track. I'd encourage you to read that track first so you know how to explain it. Um, but witness to someone this week. Will you take me up on these two challenges. It may be that you have to intentionally say to a coworker, to a neighbor, can you come over for coffee? Can you come over at this time? And I want to I talk to you about something. Okay, plan it. Put it in your calendar. Look at your schedule this week, and if God could give you 30 minutes, where in your, in your week, 30 minutes, could you spend with someone unsaved and share the gospel with them? Put it in your calendar. I've got a couple friends that I'm going to try to get together this week too. Um, and we can gather on Wednesday night and pray uh, for ourselves and for these friends. Uh, you can send an email. If you have someone who is willing to meet with you, send us their name and we'll sh share it with the church so that we can all be praying for you. Witness compassionately to someone, one person this week, as if you're visiting a friend in prison, and you're free, and they're trapped. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for your truth. Thank you for providing us the free gift of your righteousness through the one man, Jesus Christ, our Savior. What a privilege, what a wonderful result of our salvation that we have God's righteousness. We have your righteousness through Christ. And it's available to many. I pray that you would use us this week to focus our attention on you in thankfulness and then focus our attention on others with compassion to witness to someone this week. Use us this week to share the wonderful news of the gift of your righteousness with someone who is in desperate need of rescue. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.